Well, I drove through your stoplight today, and we look about the same. A um, little bit busier in London than here, but nonetheless, it is a joy for me to uh, spend the weekend um, here in Huntington. Um, I heard yesterday I got it wrong when I called it Huntington. Um, there is a T there, by the way. I saw that in the sign last night. Um, but anyways, it has been a privilege for me to spend time with the youth uh, this weekend. Um, I used to be a youth pastor. Um, I just love to be able just to invest. I've got four boys of my own. Um, the oldest is just hitting 12. And, and just wanting to see the gospel go out. Wanting to see people know Jesus. Because you see, I grew up in Texas. Uh, I'm, I'm a Texas boy. It's fascinating when you live overseas. Uh, one of the questions that people ask you first, like you get a name or whatever, but when are you, where are you from? Good Texans, we say we're from Texas. We don't say United States of America or America. We say we're from Texas. Then we get into, oh, yeah, that's in America. We're Texans. We love it and we're proud. And so being back, we've been back now for a little over a year, being back in Texas, reconnected with family. I'm from Dallas, but wife's from Houston. Uh, just being able to be back home has just been a joy and a privilege. But my wife and I love Europe. We've been blessed to serve there for the last 10 years to, to really bring the gospel to people. But you see, our story starts a little bit before that. I mean, actually, we were at this church a little over six years ago. See, so you all have heard some of our story. My wife was here with me at that point in time. Um, she's back with the four boys right now. But we, like, love God so much that we wanted to give that up to go serve him or, or give up staying here in America to go serve him in the nations. And so 13 years ago, my wife and I left America to go serve in Indonesia. And so we were talking with the students this weekend where Indonesia is. Hopefully they can point it out on a map now because many of them did not know where Indonesia was. But it's just above Australia, an island chain. But what's fascinating about Indonesia, the largest Muslim country in the world. So we engaged with Muslims there. What most people don't know is also the fourth most populated country in the world. You've got China, you've got India, both with about a billion plus people. Then you've got the United States of America, then Indonesia, fourth most populated largest Muslim country. So my wife and I were there engaging Muslims with the gospel, sharing the gospel with Muslims. Uh, my background from Texas A&M is agriculture development. By God's grace, I was actually offered a job out of college that actually went to Indonesia to run a, 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 some projects in agriculture. Loved it. And then actually served with the IMB. The IMB um, gave us a position to go serve at, at a farm. We actually ran a farm. We did agriculture projects, trying to bring the gospel to people in villages and um, kind of teaching them some skills and, and things like that in agriculture and, and goats and farming and things like that. It was awesome. And then I get sick. So to make this long story very short, I get sick. I get some kind of tropical nastiness. I had amoebas, worms, parasites live in my body. If you've never had that, don't get it. Um, it's, it's the best weight loss. If you're looking for a weight loss program, it's the be best weight loss in the world, but it's not fun. Um, but by God's grace, uh, we really just kind of prayed through that. I mean, wrestled, struggled, battled, and just kind of God, like, like what do we do? Do we stay here in Indonesia or do we, do we transfer? Do we move back home? Do we go back to Texas? Like, I, I'm battling the sickness. Like, it is debilitating my body. I felt I was going to pass out every day. And through a lot of prayer and through a lot of wisdom and through a lot of working with our organization and even churches back here in the States, uh, we felt like God gave us freedom to pursue a transfer. And that transfer led us to Manchester, England. Um, now, I don't know what you know about England. I mean, I'm sure a lot of y'all, um, maybe some of y'all watch the royal wedding. Um, you know the queen. She's, she's an amazing woman. Um, I haven't met her yet. She wants to meet me. We just haven't had time yet. Um, but England's awesome. 
Like, it's a fun place. I mean, a lot of us probably have some kind of heritage back in the UK from, from uh, let's say, Scotland or England, maybe Wales, uh, maybe the next island over Ireland. It's a fascinating place. But when you think about being a missionary, like, England's probably not on the top of that list. Like, we're going to send our missionaries to people um, and nations and, and, and countries, and England's probably didn't make that list on where you want to send your missionaries. And if I'm honest, my wife and I had the same struggle. We landed in Manchester, and the only thing that I knew about Manchester was they have the best football team in the world. Now, football, I know you're American. That's soccer for you Americans. But they have the best football team in the world, and that's Man United. Actually, I saw on your sign, the Red Devils. That's what y'all are called, Red Devils. Man United is called the Red Devils as well. Um, oh, we're in church. I think we can say that. But anyways, that's Manchester United, this football club, this soccer club. It's the only thing I knew. And so as my wife and I are walking the streets and we're literally probably like you are in this room, why are we here? Why would a missionary be serving in England? And my wife and I just had to pray and to seek the Lord and say, God, we have seen your provision in getting us here and, and, and allowing us to transfer and, and to be in this place and in this city, but it doesn't make sense. I had no heart for the people um, in God's providence, I had actually done a backpacking trip in Wales, the country uh, west of England, uh, during a summer when I was in college. So I had been there before, but I just didn't know why I was there. I mean, walking the streets and you see these old church buildings that, that are older than America, and you're just like, why am I here? They got churches everywhere. And, and there's sent so many missionaries around the world for the last hundreds of years. Why am I here? And my wife, we had our youngest son was born in Indonesia, Judson, and so he was with us. He was a year and a half, and so my wife was taking him to parks and playing um, and, and trying to connect with the community and try to meet people. Um, this is just a side note on, on, on my, my oldest son, Judson. He's a bit aggressive. Um, he's, he's, well, I have four boys. They're all boy. Um, and so one of the, this is, this is kind of a strategy I've adopted. My wife has not adopted this, but um, my son was very aggressive. And so he's a year, year and a half, and he's playing at the park. So Byron, we used to play with him when he was there. Um, and so coming from Indonesia, like, like he was just used to brown-skinned people. Um, white people kind of freaked him out. It's kind of weird, but it was true. White people kind of freaked him out. And, and so we were at the parks playing, and he just, he's just a little kid. He was aggressive. And so when somebody took something or, or didn't play with him nicely, he just punch him. Um, I didn't teach him that. Like, I guess Satan did. I don't know. But, but he just hit kids. And so my wife would always have to apologize to other parents. But it allowed us to meet so many people in the community. Like, we got to meet a lot of people because my little one and a half year old just punching people. Now, I don't advise that for you parents. But nonetheless, God was just opening doors for us to just connect and meet with people. One of the things that I did is I was grabbing every book I could on Britishness and Englishness and trying to understand European worldview and culture. Like, like God, give me, give me purpose here. Like, give me understanding of why I'm here. Anyways, I came across this book. It's called Watching the English, written by an English anthropologist, not a Christian. But she writes this section in her book on religion. And this is what she says. She says, we're not a country of atheists, nor are we agnostics. Because both of those would require a degree of interest in whether or not there's a deity, enough to question or reject the notion. Most English people just aren't bothered about it. And when I read that, that just struck a, 
a chord in my heart that these people need the gospel, that they don't know their left hand from their right. And I think, honestly, if you're to walk your streets here, in your neighborhoods, in your community, while I think most people would probably want to claim Christianity, I think most people, and even in America and Europe right now, are apathetic towards the gospel. There's this apathy that pervades a lot of our worldviews today. There's a book in the States, if you're ever interested, it's called Rise of the Nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Nuns, nothing. Actually, just uh, we were just talking to Byron's class. Uh, I just read an article this last week. Um, in the UK, we do a, we do a census every 10 years. Um, it's actually mandatory. They send it to your house. You can actually do it online. But there's a, uh, there's a new census coming up this year where they just, just basic statistics, your age, your, your average income, things like that. But they also do a religion section. And so actually, one of these people that's a nun, N-O-N-E-S, just an apathetic, nothing person, um, fascinating. In 2011, our last census, um, there, was a, there was a big push. You, you could write something as other in the box for religion. You could write something else in. In 2011, I think, I forget the statistics exactly, but there was 30,000 Jedis because they wrote in, I follow Jedi, Star Wars. And so the, the, the idea as of last week was that these guys are saying, you know what, I wrote that in. I wrote in Jedi because it's funny. I don't claim anything. I don't do anything. But it's like we're doing a disservice, so we actually need to claim nothing. Because we're not atheists, we're not agnostics, we're not Muslim, we're not Sikh, we're not Christian, we're not Catholic, we're not anything. But in order for us to get benefits and to have a voice into society, we need to actually make our voice known and to claim nothing. That's last week. And there's a rise in America that's very similar. This apathy. And I want you to think about this this morning. What we're talking about this morning is is as we think about people, as we think about your neighbors and your colleagues and those that you go to school with and your friends, those you play sports with, my family members, your family members, there's this rise that most people aren't claiming anything anymore. And it's not just against Christianity. This is, this is against Islam. This is against Buddhism and Hinduism and Sikhism. It's against all the major religions. And let me tell you, we worked in Indonesia for a long time. We love working with Muslims. Even in the UK, we work with Muslims all the time. When I'm engaging with a Muslim, I'm having a conversation with a Muslim, we actually have a starting point. We can actually talk about religion or God or heaven or hell or things like that. When you're talking to somebody that doesn't care, that has just this apathy, that's a hard person to engage with. I was telling somebody this morning that I said, uh, one of the things that I, when I'm talking to people all the time, one of the questions that I oftentimes ask, grew up in the church, um, did a lot of, of, of evangelism methodology and things like that is, and so we like to talk about like death. What happens when you die? Will you go to heaven or will you go to hell? The number one answer I get now is never thought about it. Never thought about it. That's a hard person to share the gospel with when they've never thought about even just the simple notion of death. Like, death comes to us all. It doesn't matter your skin color, your, your, your background, your race, man, woman, child. Like, death will come to us all. And the fact that so many people in the world today have never thought about it. So the question, the question I want to pose to us today is, is are we engaging people with the gospel? Are you, to put it in a simpler term, are you engaging somebody with the gospel? And I don't just mean like sometimes at the church, we're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to bring my, my colleague to, to church this next Sunday. It's Easter. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to invite somebody to come to church. 
And I'm not talking about even like, oh, we go on a mission trip every year, and that's what we do. We tell people about Jesus when we go on a mission trip. Or actually, I serve in this way, and, and you know what? The pastor really does a great job. Like, he tells people about Jesus, and, so, and I pay his salary. Um, no, I'm talking about you individually. Are we, are you, am I, engaged with the gospel? If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We're going to dive into a section this morning that is one of my favorites. Um, I think as the last several years of my life, God has really just continues to, to I mean, by God's grace, he always works on me, but, but works on me. And, and I think this passage in particular, God just reminds me because I, sometimes in my flesh, I'm just lazy. I, I'm just lazy. And here I see Paul. Um, as you trace Acts, you see Paul constantly going from town to town, village to village, sharing the gospel, trying to re- proclaim truth, trying to tell people that Jesus is the risen Lord, that he is the Messiah to the Jews that were longing for this Messiah, and for the non-Jews, he was just trying to proclaim Jesus is the Lord. Like Jesus is the Lord, he can give you life and he can give you um, salvation. And so Paul's going um, to different places, and here in Acts 17, we're going to start in verse 16. He's in Athens. Athens, Greece, a place that by God's grace, my wife and I got to go travel to a couple years ago. I get to stand in this place where Paul preaches this message, and it's phenomenal. Here's what Paul says, Acts 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So... He reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him, or they took hold of him and they brought him to the Oropagus and saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except for telling and hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Europagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. For as I passed along and observed the object of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, I, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet, he's actually not far from each one of us. For in him we move and we have our being, as even your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art or the imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now 
He commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given full assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. Some men joined him and believed, among whom were Diosnes the Oropagite and a woman named Demarius and others with them. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this passage of Scripture that we briefly get to dive in and to um, just to wrestle through and to think through and to ponder. Lord, I pray for us that you would help us as Paul is at Athens proclaiming truth. Lord, that you would help us to gain insight and understanding. And Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts to desire to engage others with the gospel. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Paul here goes to Athens. So he's in the city of Athens. And what does he do? As he goes there, for the first thing he does is he goes to the synagogue. So Paul is a Jew. As a Jew, he knew the Jewish culture. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, as we see in Philippians. Like, he knew the Jewish law. So he understood the Old Testament backwards and forwards. And so where does he go? The people he knows. The people he can relate to. The people that has the same worldview, background that he does. And so he goes to his people. And he reasons with them. And he argues with them. And he, and he, and he shows them and proves to them that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that they were longing for and hoping for. But where else does Paul go next? He goes to the marketplace. And who is at the marketplace? Those that happen to be there. Now, I think sometimes we, we lose this in our modern culture that, that what does that look like in, in 2021? Now, I, I know there's a pandemic going on. I know COVID's real, all those things. But what does that look like in 2020, 2021? What is, what is the marketplace? Where, where, where do we hang out? Where do we socialize? Do our kids play sports? Do they, do they do other activities? Do they hang out and play games with other people? Do they socialize in other contexts? What about me? Do I hang out at coffee shops? Do I go to cafes? Uh, do I go to work? Do I go to school? Do I play? Where are my places where I intersect with other people in life? And as I intersect, as I connect with other people in life, Am I purposeful about engaging with the gospel? There's two words that my wife and I use all the time, and it's purposefulness and intentionality. And are we purposeful and intentional about where we go and what we do? I'm a coffee drinker. I love my coffee. Uh, Byron was pouring something today that was not coffee. Old school, Folgers. Um, I'm a, I'm a co- he called me a coffee snob. Eh, fine. Um, but I love my coffee, so I hang out in coffee shops. In Europe, we love our, our coffees, our teas, our drinks. We love to be in cafes and, and coffee shops, and so we spend a lot of time there. But the question that I've had to wrestle with myself is, when I go to a coffee shop and, and I see that barista in front of me that's serving me my coffee, do I see them as a real person? Do I see them as a real human being that actually probably, this is probably not what they love to do on a daily basis. They do it for a job and they do it well. But do I actually dialogue with them and actually converse with them, hear about their life and their day and what they like to do? And as I do that, as a Christian, I actually hopefully can share about me. Here's, here's my problem. Here, here's, here's what I've observed about myself. And, and you can see if you fit into these shoes and, and this is yourself too. But I think sometimes, Monday is tomorrow, 
Tomorrow you're going to wake up, and some of you are going to go to work, some of you are going to go to school, and some of you are going to do your thing, go, to, go about life. And you will probably get asked this question. What'd you do this weekend? What'd you do this weekend? And most of us will say, I, for, for you, went to, went, to, went to this event at, at, at church for, as a youth. I, I played sports, uh, maybe watched some basketball. Um, I, I went to a birthday party. I hung out, had some friends over and all that. But generally, the last thing that comes to our mind is church. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're in church right now. Like, right this moment, you're right here. But the last thing that comes to my mind when somebody asks me about my weekend is, oh, yeah, yeah, I actually went to church. We actually, I was with some of my favorite people in the world. Like, we sang songs and to my God. Like, I heard a decent sermon. Um, it's me, the Sunday, sorry. But it, I was at church. Like, I love God. And that's oftentimes some of the last things that comes out of our mouth that we're so easy to talk about every day normal things. But God and the scriptures, that as Paul is saying here, that the controversial thing, one of the things that Paul says is the resurrection last week, preaching on the resurrection, I actually listened to it, um, like the bringing up things that some people don't even want to listen to. But are we willing to step outside of our comfort zones to actually to be a light for the gospel? To actually, as we, as we look at Acts 17 and we see Paul going, like, how am I going to engage the people with the gospel? How are they going to know Jesus unless I verbally communicate that to them? And as I said at the beginning, as we're seeing this new rise of, of, of people that are really apathetic and really just nothing, how are they going to know who Jesus is unless we tell them? Like I said, I work, I work with a lot of people. I work with Muslims and Sikhs and Hindus. But we also work with agnostics and atheists and, and people that just claim nothing. And if I'm not purposeful and intentional, like Paul is here, to, to walk their streets, to go into the marketplace every day, I will just sit at home. I will just do my work. I will just do my thing. And people will not hear the gospel. They will not know Jesus. And so my question is, are we doing that? My question is, what is going to help us to do that? Let me, let me share a story with you real fast. I've, I've had to, like I said, I've had to learn a lot of things in my, my life. God is gracious with me and patient with me. But as you can tell, I probably have no problem speaking. Um, I don't. So when I go to coffee shops, I generally do talk. Um, um, I'm extreme extrovert. I was still in this class this morning. Beyond the charts, extrovert. Um, so talking is not a problem for me. Um, what I've had to learn is to stop talking and actually to engage and dialogue with people. Because you see, what we see with Paul doing here, one of the words that I love that he uses here, he reasoned with them. He's in the synagogues and marketplaces reasoning with them. And I think this word, as we, as we wrestle with this word, there, there's, a, there's a dynamic here where it's not just me just telling you information. And so I walk into a coffee shop and be like, hey, you need Jesus. You're a sinner. If you die today, you're going to hell. Now, while that's truth, I'm not for sure they're going to accept that very well. But am I able to dialogue with somebody and reason with them and answer their questions and hear their questions and hear their concerns? Am I willing to do that? And, and so in Manchester, Byron served in Manchester with us. Um, 
we, we basically, um, I, was, I, was, I was doing this event on a campus with, with some other Christian people. We basically, we were, we were doing kind of like an apologetics. We were just kind of like, hey, we'll talk about Christianity. We'll kind of explain what it, what it is, what it isn't. And after this event, we told all the students, hey, if you've got any questions about Christianity, we're going to be at a cafe for the next uh, couple weeks. So every, every Tuesday night at 7, come to this cafe and basically ask a Christian anything. So come ask us. So me and my buddy, uh, we did this. And so we show up the first week after this event and um, nobody showed up and uh, very humbling. I was like, we did a great job. Uh, second week we go there and you know who showed up? Nobody. So my friend and I were like, okay, nobody has any questions over Christianity. So we stopped the event. We're like, okay, we'll stop doing this. Anyways, my wife and I were, were at a, another event um, on, a, on a university campus in Manchester. Um, it was a, it was a we're good Baptists. We actually danced, so we were dancing. And um, so we're at this, this dancing event, and this girl came up to my wife and I, and she was like, hey, you spoke at this event a couple months ago, and you said that if you had any questions about Christianity, you can come to this cafe, and you would answer them. And I said, yes, we did. And she's like, I went. You weren't there. And um, I was like, we were there for two weeks. You must have come after that because we stopped it because nobody came. And she's like, and I, but I said, I said, do you still have questions? I said, we'd love to answer those questions. She said, I still have questions. And so we met. Uh, I, told, I told her, I said, hey, let's meet up for coffee. So I met uh, one of my friends. He's an Irish buddy. Um, uh, uh, Byron's met him. His name's Duncan. Uh, he's an Irish, back in Ireland now planning a church. But Duncan, a dear mate of mine, we sat in this coffee shop. This Muslim background girl comes to this coffee shop and says, I've got lots of questions. Pulls out of her briefcase a hundred type questions about Christianity. And I said, we will get to all your questions. Probably not today. We'll get to your questions. Um, and in God's providence and God's grace over months and months of walking with her and her visiting churches and being under the word of God, God saved her. Iranian background, Muslim believer, full head covering, reading the Quran, knows the Quran forwards and backwards, came to faith in Jesus Christ. But are we willing to sit with these people? Are we willing to look in sometimes our blinded eyes that this girl with a head covering, am I able to converse with her? She looks differently than I do. She thinks differently than I do. You, you know her, her, her name's Rihanna. You, you know what, what Rihanna was trying to do? She was trying to convert us to Islam. You know why? Because we had it all wrong. But in God's grace, God's mercy, she saw the light and she became a believer. But are we willing to sit? Are we willing to reason? Are we willing to answer questions? And I'm just like you. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we get a bad rap as missionaries, pastors, leaders, that y'all think that because we get paid to do this, like, we just got it all figured out. Like, I'll be honest, I don't. These guys, I don't know, but I don't. I don't have it figured out. I am constantly wrestling. I have the same fear of man that you've got. Like, when I walk into a cafe, I'm like, dear Lord, don't make me go talk to those people. Um, and so I got to wrestle. I got to wrestle with God. My wife is way better than me. My wife is like always praying. It's like, God, who can I talk to? Um, I'm like, God, I don't want to talk to these people. And so I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling with God saying, God, give me words to say. Like, what if they ask me a tough question? Like, why do bad things happen to good people? Like, okay, let's answer this. I don't always have all the answers. Like, I do study my word. I do constantly pray and study and try to gain better understanding constantly. But here's the thing that I've learned. I don't have to have all the answers. And to be fair, I won't ever have all the answers. God does. His word's truth. But I've got to be willing to sit with them. I've got to be willing to dialogue and reason with them. And I think as we're, we see this, this, this passage and, and, and Paul's walking, 
the city and his heart is breaking over the city as he's seeing a city full of idols. And, and I think we even sometimes gloss over that even phrase, a city full of idols. Oh, that's Athens. I mean, long time ago, a couple thousand years ago, idols everywhere. We oftentimes think about that. I mean, I've traveled the world, I've been blessed. Uh, uh, maybe it's like a Buddha, a big statue of Buddha, whether it's the skinny Buddha or the, the fat Buddha, there's two. Um, and, and so maybe it's one of those, but what are, what are our, our idols? I mean, 2021, we're in America, we're in Texas. Do we have idols? We don't have those statues. We don't bow before statues in, in America, or do we? I mean, I'm up here with my iPad and Got an iPhone in my pocket. Netflix. I just went off. Am I good? Okay. Netflix. We've got media. We've got sporting events. We've got stadiums that we keep building bigger and bigger. I mean, don't get me wrong. I went to AM. I, I love my sports. But do we have idols? A city full of idols as Paul is looking at this city and his heart is breaking. These people don't know Jesus. These people don't know that Jesus rose from the grave, conquering death, that we may have life in Christ. And so for us, what does that look like? What does that look like for us to have hearts that are broken for our cities, for our neighbors, for our communities, to see like we are so involved in, in our lives or involved in other things besides God? And so as Paul is spending his time in Athens and he has this opportunity to, to share with the people, I think one of the things that, that, that I've also learned and, and reflected on in this passage is, are we willing to bring up controversial things? And what I mean by that is, is sometimes I think we, 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 we want something easy. Like if I can just invite them to church, um, then I've done my, I've done my, 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 my dil, due diligence if I can just tell them that I'm a Christian, then, then I've done something good. Now, don't get me wrong. Those are good things. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is proclaiming to them that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that they're sinners, they're broken, they need a Savior. And Paul brings up to them this God that he loves, that he knows. He says, this God who made the world and everything in it. I don't know if you know this or not, but even in your schools, that will be very controversial. The God that I serve created everything. It wasn't created by evolution. It wasn't created by a Big Bang Theory. It wasn't created by these other things. It was created by a God. And he created everything. He's Lord of heaven and of earth. Does not live in temples made by man. Made by man. He's not served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He made us all. And so are we willing to bring up the fact that this world? They're pretty smart, I'll be honest. I don't know. I do know God. And I do know Jesus is real. And He has so transformed my life that I want others to know that. And even last week, as you heard about the resurrection, Paul here is reminding them about the resurrections because this is what a controversial thing for the Jews. The Jews didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that He rose again from the grave. Very, again, very controversial. Even in my context in Europe, 
people don't really doubt that Jesus was real. That, that, that's hard for them to debate um, because of heritage, because of history. Jesus is real. That's okay. But the fact that he rose from the grave, most people don't believe that. They don't believe that Jesus was a God. They don't believe that he was part of the Trinity as we understand in our, our Christian world. But to rise from the grave, to rise from the dead, that means Jesus conquered death. And that's one of the greatest hopes that we have, that Jesus rose from the grave conquering death, that we may have life. And so are we willing to share this with others? Are we willing to share this great hope, this great news, this great joy with others? Or do we just kind of hold it into ourselves? So my question, my challenge is, as Paul is here reasoning and wrestling with people to, to help them to see the gospel and to know the gospel and to believe the gospel, and he calls them, as God says in, in verse uh, 30, but he commands all people everywhere to repent. So calling people to repentance, to turn from their brokenness, to turn from their sin, to believe in Jesus. At the very end, Paul reminds us that as they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. I've lived in Europe for 10 years now. I get mocked a lot. People think I'm crazy. People think I'm an idiot. Uh, I've got it all wrong. Uh, one of the phrases that I hear uh, often in Europe is Christianity was a failed experiment. It's a tough one to swallow. I've devoted my life to the Lord. Christianity was a failed experiment. We tried that Christianity thing. It didn't really work out so well. Now we're on to better things. So some mock. Some don't know the gospel. Some don't believe. But... Paul continues on. He continues on and he says, but some men joined him and believed. Some believed. Also in Manchester, my, uh, I had the privilege of um, meeting this guy, uh, amazing guy. He actually, uh, I was actually, uh, I, I, don't, I don't preach that often in the UK unless uh, part of our church plant we did, but um, in Manchester, I was preaching this one Sunday, and this guy came in. I never saw him. Uh, he was there a couple months later and said, hey, I saw you preaching a couple Sundays ago. He's like, I wanted to uh, kind of figure out what Christianity is all about. A Muslim background guy again, um, trying to wrestle through life and trying to find understanding and clarity. Anyway, so I began meeting this guy. He uh, met with a pastor, one of my dear friends, uh, walking through a, a course called Christianity Explored, just as kind of like a six-weeks course, understanding like who Jesus is, some basic principles, um, an understanding of the gospel. And so I kind of did this course with the pastor. And then Rihanna, the girl I was telling you about before, um, they were both Iranians, so speak Farsi together. And so she was able to kind of answer some other questions from the Quran and the Bible, trying to give him some clarity and understanding. And then I was meeting with him. You know what I had to do the first time I met with him? This is, again, God working on my heart. So I sit down in this coffee shop with, with a guy named Benny. Sit down in this coffee shop. You know what I did for the next two hours? Just ask him questions. Benny, where are you from? Benny, tell me about life. Benny, tell me what you, what you, what you want to do in life. Tell me about your family. Tell me about which sports teams you like. He actually liked the other team, Man City. That was controversial. Broke my heart. But it's okay. But we just dialogued for two hours. I really didn't say much about me at all. Nothing. Got to hear about his Muslim background. Got to hear his story. Asylum seeker, actually running from Iran. Not for religious reasons. 
It's because he didn't believe in the corrupt government. Fascinating. Still a Muslim. But just listening to him, just sitting there, just listening. And so Benny and I formed a friendship. We started hanging out together. He started to come along to our events. We had lots of mission teams that come out and interns like Byron that have come out and serve with us. And so Benny begins hanging out in our circles and um, go out in the streets with us. And um, one night uh, after church, Benny, Benny texts me. He says, hey, Shane, I've got some questions. I really need to meet with you. I was like, Benny, I can't do it tonight. I'm with my family now. I've got some other things that are going on. I'll meet with you Monday Tuesday, but I can't meet with you tonight. He texts Rihanna. He's like, Rihanna, I really need to meet with somebody. I need to talk to somebody. Um, Rihanna's like, I got something tonight. I'm busy. I can't meet with anybody. Uh, text Matt, the pastor. He's like, Matt, I really need to meet somebody. I got to talk to somebody. Um, and Matt's like, hey, I got something tonight. I can meet with you this week. I just can't do it right now. Benny goes home in despair. He's like, I, something's going on. I really need to talk to somebody. My, my, my three, like, Christians, Matt, the pastor, Shane, I don't know what he would consider me, friend, missionary, I don't know what it was. Rihanna, Iranian background believer, goes home in despair. He's like, if Shane, Matt, and Rihanna weren't here, who would I talk to? Who would I go to? God. Got down on his knees in his little flap, prayed to receive Christ. I wasn't there. And I love it. Because are we loving people to the gospel? Sharing the gospel with them. Planting seeds. Sharing the hope of Christ. Our role is not always just, I help them just to pray to receive Christ. No, my goal is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. My responsibility, like Paul here, is to, am I a believer willing to go out of my comfort zones into the marketplaces, into the everyday places of life, and be a light for the gospel, for the glory of Christ? I said this at the beginning, my challenge for us is, who is that for you? Put a face to that. It could be a family member. It could be a neighbor. It could be one of your best friends. It could be a coworker, fellow student. But put a name to that. And may you pray for them. May you ask God, God, give me purposefulness and intentionality as I hope to share the gospel with others. As Paul concluded this section, some believed. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, we thank you that you have given us life and hope and salvation. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this church that preaches the Bible and teaches truth. I thank you for the people sitting in this church and those that are watching online. Lord, that you would remind us of your goodness and of your grace and of your glory. But Lord, it's not just for ourselves. And it's not for us just to bottle it up and to say, oh, how amazing am I that I'm a believer. No, it is amazing that we are believers, but we also want to tell others of this great news. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us in this room, me included. Lord, to remind me, Lord, that your goodness and your grace and your salvation is amazing. And other people don't know of it. Lord, help us with boldness. Help us with clarity. 
Help us to reason with people, to be patient, to be kind, to be faithful to truth, but to also just sit and listen, to sit in dialogue, to invite people into our homes, to go into some of our non-Christian homes. Lord, that we would love people to the gospel and that we would also faithfully proclaim the gospel to others. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your salvation. Lord, may we be a light for the gospel, for the glory of Christ. Amen.